Hello, welcome again to the Body Talk podcast. I'm Melina Jenkins, and this is a series where we delve into all sorts of things to help you in both your business and your personal life, whether that's around confidence, around communication skills, around mindset. We hope that our chats and our guests bring you some inspiration. Now, a hot topic and something which our clients are always asking us to talk about is storytelling. And we delved into this in a recent podcast, but from the perspective of journalism, so what makes a great headline? How do you hook your audience so you can draw them in? This time, we thought we'd delve much deeper to really understand why storytelling is important, particularly in business. And if you do it well, how it can build a much deeper connection with both your colleagues and your clients. Now, to help us with this, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Peter Hughes. Peter is a psychologist. He's co-founder of the digital marketing agency Cognition, and he has appeared a number of times on TV documentaries, including with people like uh, Dr. Brian Cox and on The Secrets of Superbrands and on the BBC's One Show. And he's also an author. And one of his most recent books has just been shortlisted for the 2021 Business Awards. Peter, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, I wanted to start actually with the book because it's got a terrific title. It's called 65 Roses and a Trunkie. Now, immediately I'm intrigued. I'm thinking, what's that about? But I know it's also a really great example of a compelling business story. Yeah, absolutely. And I can remember when my agent contacted me and said, did I want to write this book? And she was unclear really exactly what it was about. She thought it was some chap who'd invented uh, some kind of form of luggage or some suitcase or something. And and uh, so I, I, uh, um, I said, she did say he was one of the most famous rejects on Dragon's Den. And uh, and then I realised that it was about Trunky and it was about this guy. And I do remember that rejection on Dragon's Den, actually. Um, but what really intrigued me when I first met the man who invented this piece of luggage, the Trunky, called uh, uh, Rob Law, was that uh, his, his backstory was extraordinary. Um, he suffers from cystic fibrosis. His twin sister died of the same illness when she was only 16 years old. Um, he himself was not expected to necessarily to have a, a, a long life. He battled from the age, from the, from the day he was born, this illness. He was ostracized at school. He was put in the remedial class. He's also dyslexic. And he overcome all these disadvantages to invent a category of product which the market had never seen before. It was neither a piece of luggage nor was it a toy. So when he tried to sell it to toy manufacturers, they said, well, no, it's, it's a piece of luggage. When he went to luggage manufacturers, they said, no, it's a, it, it's a toy. And of course, it was a combination of both. And he did that when he was in his teenage years. And, and for me, to battle cystic fibrosis and that kind of adversity, and then to have one of the most famous humiliations and rejections on Dragon's Den, where he, uh, unbeknown to him, um, he was told that the Radio Times would let him know when the programme was going to be aired, but he found out one day when he, when he uh, B, sorry, BBC would let him know when the uh, programme was going to be aired. And uh, one day he picked up the Radio Times and saw the headline, this week on Dragon's Den, wheelie rubbish. And, and he thought, that's my product finished. So here's a man who's overcome all sorts of adversity. And, and both as a psychologist and as an entrepreneur, I found this this story really of extraordinary resilience, incredible ingenuity, and, and the overcoming of, 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 of adversity in the way that, that Rob had to do, a really compelling story. And, and the 65 Roses itself, the reason I chose 65 Roses and a Trunky as a title was because the term 65 Roses came from 
I think it was the 1960s when an American woman, her, I think it was her son, had cystic fibrosis and, and she didn't want to let him know that he had this illness. And one day she was on the phone talking to a friend and telling her friend, oh, yes, my son's cystic fibrosis is this. Anyway, she puts the phone down, goes into the lounge and her son says to her, mommy, 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 I know what I've got now. And she was horrified. She thought, oh, my God. Or she said, what is it, darling? What have I got? And she says, mommy, I've got 65 roses. Because when she said cystic fibrosis, he heard 65 roses. And, and, and it struck me as such a wonderful metaphor because to have a thing as beautiful as a rose associated with an illness as debilitating as cystic fibrosis really, really gave a wonderful poetic feel to the title. And, and for me, when you're looking at teaching people business lessons, and, and, and the most important business lesson of all, really, is to, is to, is to stay resilient, is to cope with failure, is to be able to, to um, overcome adversity. And we all know that. But it's so much better to hear it in a story than it is to hear it through a series of facts or a series of numbers or any statistics. And, and this was such a compelling story. And, and Rob, was, his story is, is, is such a, a compelling story and, and what he's had to overcome has been quite remarkable that I, I just felt it, it, it I immediately said yes I'd, I'd, I'd love to work on this book and and uh, we went to this process where I would interview Rob I then write a chapter and I put the frame on it and then we we'd build a story like that but uh, he was a, he's a great guy and he's extraordinarily talented. I, I remember that whole episode of Dragon's Den and the guy and I like really feeling for him. And then, of course, we, I saw the trunky come out in the in the years ahead and was like, oh, my gosh, super successful. But I didn't know that story. But through now knowing that, what you've just told me immediately now, I just feel much more connected with Rob and the trunky. And, and this is what we're trying to do, isn't it? This is you just proven that a really great story connects with an audience in a way that you you can't do in in any other way in business yeah absolutely right and 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 there's a really important there's not two stories really there's the story of of obviously rob's life how he developed the the trunky and how how he went on to to turn it into a global brand but but the other story is the little micro story within that the story of his appearance on dragon's den where he went on dragon's den and theopophitis famously pulled a, a, a a clip you know he broke the trunky and and got really seriously annoyed at at, uh, at Rob and, and at the product and and the rest of the dragons all ganged up on Rob. They literally turned on him. They like they smelt blood. You know they became a pack and they turned on him, which people do, of course, when they when they when they feel like they've got somebody who's a little bit vulnerable and and they and they, and they they have a majority of numbers, then they they will attack. You know and and they did. And uh, and um, what happened as a result of that was that. Rob, on the day when he thought his business was going to collapse as a result of this, he got more inquiries on his website than ever before. He sold more trunkies than ever before. And why? Not only was it a brilliant, outstanding product, but here we have an underdog being bullied by a gang, by a pack of, you know, multimillionaires or billionaires who, who have all turned on him. And that's the essence of story. Kurt Vonnegut put it really brilliantly. He, he once said, if you want to create a compelling story, he said, you know, create a character that everybody can identify with and make terrible things happen to them, right? And, uh, and, and, and that's what it was. So Rob comes up. He's such a lovely guy. He's a great guy. He's got a great product. And then this terrible thing happens to him, you know, which is the, the dragons turn on him, you know. And then, of course, the public watching this are thinking, hang on a minute, leave this guy alone, you know. He's, he's got a great product there. And also, you know, we can identify with the underdog. 
So, and I think that's really a story that 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 fuses through everything in that book. Really, is is the story of the underdog going through hell, going into the underworld, going through self doubt, going through through you know the threat of of the collapse of his business, and 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 going having his personality and his inventiveness and his ingenuity assaulted, then coming out the other side of that and being stronger and more successful as a result of it. That's the essence of story. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm just now thinking of all my favourite characters that are from books that I've read over the years, from Charles Dickens, you know, David Copperfield, Oliver Twist. You've got, a, got your character there. Awful things happen to them. You know, right through now to Harry Potter. Great character. Awful things happens, happens to him. But actually, it goes back even further than that, doesn't it? It goes back right back to the dawn of time, to I think stories are what makes us human. It's how we've managed to develop over the, the tens of thousands of years. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, Stalin very famously said, he said, uh, you know, uh, uh, one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. And, uh, and he's quite right. You know, if, if you're dealing with numbers larger than five, six, seven, you know, you, you don't really need a human being. You know, you, it's not the preserve of human beings. So they need to go into machines, you know, and, and, uh, and we don't deal well with statistics. We're not natural statisticians. You know, the mathematician Nassim uh, Nicholas Taleb uh, famously said, we scorn the abstract, he said, with a passion which of course we do, you know, we like concrete, we like stories, you know, so you can give somebody a, a, a volume full of facts, but if they've got one story lodged in their unconscious mind, that story will take precedence over all those facts. And and that's why, for instance, in, in all the great religious traditions, in, in all the great political traditions, it's story that, that, it, that, that, that makes us change our behaviour. Think for a moment of the refugee crisis and, and that father and his child who were washed up, they drowned trying to, to cross into, into Europe. And, and almost overnight, their story, the story of that escape from oppression, escape from war, escape from tragedy, and then dying in that process so moved the world that sometimes Angela Merkel, for example, overnight reversed her policy and said, right, OK, we can do this. We're going we're gonna to let the refugees in. And, and I think the power of story to move minds is really deeply embedded in our in in our cognitive architecture and and one of the things that story gives us it helps us make sense of the world we're in you know if somebody tells you a story it's it's got a moral to it so you know if you look at the 65 roses and the trunky story you know the moral is you go through all these terrible things you you go through character assassination you go through doubt you go through criticism but you come out of it stronger what do you learn as, as a result of going through this underworld of chaos, you know, and what you learn is you might learn wisdom, you might learn, you know, um, strength, you might acquire strength, you know, you might acquire the ability to see things you couldn't see things before, you might acquire new eyes, you know, there's all sorts of things you can acquire in the course of, of, of that journey. And that's the power of story. And that's why it's so, so primal for our species, really. And, and Stanford did a study where where people were 22 times more likely to remember the details of a story than they were the fact associated with it. 22 times. It's so true, Peter, because we, we remember so much more through stories. In fact, even last night, we were watching Silence of the Lambs and laughing, it's like 30 years old now. But we've both read the book as well, my husband and I, and we were almost able, we could, we could just remember all the, all the dialogue because it's such a, you know, it's a really great story. Um, uh, and it be, everything became so memorable. So when you put something into a story, into a narrative, we just immediately remember, even all those years later, 
we can we can sort of spout it back out parrot fashion. Yeah, yes, we do, and and uh, and and I think that that and it also distorts, of course. Stories can can seriously distort the world because we are so susceptible to what a story tells us that actually we we can, we then don't we then lose the ability to critically engage with facts or evidence or data because the story is so overwhelmingly compelling to us you know and and um and and, and I think that that it's one of the the main cognitive biases that we have really and and of course brands if you look at it in a commercial context what makes a, a successful brand isn't the product it's not a a training shoe or a or 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 a or a or a saucepan or a coat or a or or a car it's not of that it's the story it's a narrative that's built around it that makes a brand so compelling and uh, and brands really successful brands and successful businesses tell great stories you know and and those stories have to include this is the point that that people miss about when they try and tell the stories of brands it's not an unbridled story of success you know, a, a really well-rounded business story tells a story of a business or tells a story of a brand by by saying where that brand failed. What what struggles did it have to overcome on its journey to success? Where did it fall? I mean, the story of, of the most iconic brands in the world, like Apple, are full of the company, you know, failing, ideas failing, internal conflict, bitter divisions, you know, arguments over which direction the business should go in this is what the essence of story is the story is full of negative experiences but what makes a story compelling is how and what makes a brand successful is how it deals with those that that struggle how it deals with that negativity and comes out of it the other side that's what makes a a brand compelling and and we can identify with those stories and 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 so when we identify with a brand it's the story we're identifying with and um, and and once a story lodges in our mind, once we we buy into a particular narrative, it's it's very difficult to let it go. You know, there's there's no amount of facts will will shift the power of that story to move us. So if you look at the debate, for instance, between uh, somebody who would be a theatre, a religious believer, and somebody who says no, but I can give you scientific facts why your beliefs are wrong, really, or even absurd, there's never going to be a dialogue there. Because, you know, the, the, the religious believer says, well, no, I, I know. There's a, <clears throat> there's a wonderful uh, video of uh, a, a Catholic priest called George Coyne, who's also a scientist and astronomer, talking to the arch-atheist Richard Dawkins. And they reach a point and Richard Dawkins says to George Coyne, look, he said, how can you believe this? You know, you've got no evidence for it. And George Coyne says, no, you're right, Richard, he said. You know, my evidence is weak, he said. I don't have evidence, he says. But it goes too deep in me. And Dawkins says to him, so um, it goes, so you can't question faith. And Coyne says, no, I can't. He said, it goes too deep. And, and really what you have there is, is the difference between somebody whose faith is guided by a series of stories which he's imbibed and absorbed since he was a child. And a scientist trying to say, yes, but those stories don't match up to this sort of scientific analysis or this empirical analysis. And, and of course, those two worlds, you know, in that sense, don't meet. Do you think this is where businesses go wrong, Peter, because they focus too much on we're great at this and look at what we can do and look how positive we are. And actually, as humans, we're not interested in that. It, we, we, want, we want to hear the challenge. We want to hear the despair. And, and again, going back to like, the great stories that have engaged us since we were kids, it's always the ones where 
your hero that something really bad is going is happening in his life or missing or broken and that's what draws you in is is that as you said you know being able to talk about failure yeah businesses just make lists when businesses are pitching for work they just make lists we did this and we did this and we did this and we did this and we did this they just make a list and 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 everybody's nodding and they say yeah that's great i mean very good but they're thinking at the back of their mind yeah yeah yada 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 we've heard this so many times before was what you want is some is, is some reality and business shouldn't be fearful of that they should actually actively embrace it you know and um, and i i will sometimes in working with with organizations i will say to them look you know far from telling them all the great things you succeeded at if you're if you're talking to a, a prospective client tell them to ask you when it didn't go right because that's when you find out what kind of business you're dealing with you don't find it out just by them reeling off a list of successes. Everybody's got that. But everybody's also got the skeletons in the cupboard, the things that didn't go so well. That's when you find out who you are. I, I think it's a truism in psychology, really. If you want to find out the character of a person, give them absolute power over another human being and see what they do. That's how you learn how to learn who somebody is. Sorry. I was, I was going to ask you what you thought about um, some science that's been done. I mean, there's been lots of science around storytelling, but also the idea that through telling stories that you create more empathy with your audience. And that goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning is about if you use stories well, then you are building that deeper connection with an audience because they feel, you know, that that, that power of empathy is is very strong. Yes, it is. And and. And there's been some neuro, neuroscientific research, for instance, on um, putting people into scanners and, and uh, uh, while they're looking at brands and while they've been shown pictures of their family and friends. And, and there's similar neurological patterns that you see when people engage with brands that they love to, 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 where, to when they look at pictures of their friends or, or, or their children or their husbands, their wives, their family. And, and, and the, 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 the bond really between people and brands can go can go can can be actually very strong, you know, and 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 it has to be really in order to to get people to pay the prices that some brands would ask. If it was if brands were all commoditized, there would be no point in a brand trying to charge two or three or four times the value for one product as opposed to a similar unbranded product which you can get for the, for you know a quarter of the price. The value of a brand is often depends on how deeply embedded the story of that brand is in the unconscious mind of the buyer, and uh, and. That really takes us to the heart of what makes a, a good brand. It's our friend, you know, and, 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 and in that sense, the story of a brand does create that empathy. It makes us empathetic. And, but the brand's got to be good, of course, because if you look at negative stories about brands, you know, you know training shoes being made in sweatshops and, and, and people being exploited, of course, that can then be extraordinarily and, and, and should be extraordinarily damaging to brands because suddenly you're looking at a situation where a brand's telling one story, but actually somebody else is saying, well, hang on a minute, now we've got this other story here. And somehow these brands have had to incorporate, a lot, and these successful brands are very resilient because they'll incorporate all these negative subplots and these negative stories that get thrown at them and they'll incorporate it into the main narrative, which is a narrative of continual progress, of continually getting more virtuous, of continually improving the diversity, the inclusion, the morality of the brand. That's the story that's told and people buy it. Now, Peter, just, just before you go, I'm, I would love to hear sort of your, your top two or three tips that you can give to our listeners um, thinking about, OK, you know, 
how how do I best tell my business story from a, from a psychology point of view and from all your experience as an author and a writer as well? What are your what are your key things for our, for our listeners to take away? Don't be afraid of the negative. That's the first one. Don't be afraid of uh, of negativity, and uh, and surprisingly, your audience, if you are honest, right about what you've succeeded at and what you've failed at. Um, they will, far from running away from you, they are more likely to move towards you. So don't be afraid of the negative is the, is the first one. And secondly, and, 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 and as if not more important is, deliver what you say the story tells that you will deliver. So if you're telling a story and you're saying, this is the kind of company we are and this is the kind of person I am, make sure that there is congruence between the story you're telling and what, that, that, what, the, what your client is actually going to receive. And, and, and that's really at, at Cognition, we work a lot with our clients in making sure there's congruence between the story clients tell and, and actually how they behave. Because uh, uh, Michael Eisner, who was, I think, the vice president of Disney at some point, he, he famously said, a brand, he said, is a thousand small gestures. And every story you tell about your brand is going to be about the gestures that define your brand. And these gestures aren't just a logo. They're not just a strap line. They're the way you answer the telephone. They're the way you engage your customers. The whether you keep your promises or not. Whether you deliver on time. How you deal with mistakes. That's all, that's all going to be woven into the narrative of business. The two things are, don't be 